Welcome to NGF News, everybody. We got another uh, latest global developments episode today. We got two um, topics that are going to tie in together with each other. Uh, topics are Australia buying more missiles to counter China and top EU diplomats calls for European Navy patrols of the Taiwan Strait. Yeah, so this is basically a focus on the on Asia, uh, essentially. So there's a lot of a lot of calls to action recently. Um, we're going to go ahead and start immediately with Australia looking to buy more missiles to counter China. So the defense industry uh, minister, Pat Conroy, said he is looking to do a full review, along with the defense minister of Australia, Richard Marles, want to do a full review of Australia's military. And they have found that they need to uh, overhaul their armed forces and focus more on capabilities like um, purchasing Himros, which are the long-range missiles that were also sent to Ukraine, um, amid concerns that there are rising tensions between the U.S. and China, and they're looking to protect themselves um, in case, I don't know if I want to say in case something happens, but just to protect themselves because of the rising tensions. So um, they're looking to get uh, missiles that can hit targets about 300 miles away versus their uh, current capabilities, will, which can only hit targets up to 25 miles now. Wow, it's it's, it's actually it's actually kind of interesting of how not, I wanted I don't want to say underdeveloped military, but like how outdated 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 military. yeah yeah even they said themselves that their military has been outdated and they need to modernize their military and they're also looking to acquire a nuclear powered submarine between the three way partnership uh, the AUKUS partnership which is the military mm, yeah. partnership between the US UK uh, and Australia so. That's kind of their goals um, so far. Yeah, that's an interesting one. 25 miles is... I, I, not, that's no, what I found. It's not a lot at all. That's what the defense industry minister said. Yeah. Um, and I just... That, that's a direct quote from him, so... Yeah, so this is a development of around, around the world, um, especially post-Russia-Ukraine, where they... Germany has invested more money into their military. Spain has invested more money. Portugal, Italy, L Latvia, Lithuania, Romania... Um, South Korea is going to develop Japan. Japan, I say that again, is going to develop a military. How much are they spending? Uh, Japan, yeah, a lot, like like a billion, hundred billion plus, like somewhere around the German figures. Which for um for Germany and, and Japan, countries of those capabilities, a hundred billion dollars is a lot of money. They are able to do a lot with that. Revamp technologies, bring in more weapons and missiles, um, pay people better. That's another big, big issue, especially in the case of Germany. Um, but the government is looking to spend about 19 billion Australian dollars, about 12 billion American dollars to deliver these immediate missiles. The missiles that they are looking for, run down somewhere, are. They're approved over 220 cruise missiles, and there's another one huh. that they were looking for, um, valued at about $895 billion. The United States State Department just approved these missiles. And so these these two topics tie in together. So honestly, I'm going to discuss the other one, too, with the Taiwan Strait, um, with the European Naval Patrols, Joseph Borrell. Um, I forgot what country he's uh, an EU diplomat for. But he wrote in an opinion piece that the Chinese concerns us economically, commercially, and technology. He calls for patrols to show Europe's commitments to freedom of navigation in this crucial area. Two weeks ago, China launched a three-day military exercise around China, or Taiwan, which is concerning. I didn't even know that. So the, um, 
Taiwan is clearly part of our geostrategic perimeter to guarantee peace. And recently, Macron commented Europe should not follow in the steps of the United States mm -hmm. if a conflict breaks out, which so, I don't like Macron anyway, so I wouldn't listen to him. But um, I, interesting. It's it's weird. Um, before we go back into the Australia um, one, I find it weird that the EU top diplomat, Joseph Burrell, said, we need to do this. And Macron said, well, we shouldn't follow U.S. or China. We should follow our own footsteps. He's a Spanish politician. He's a high representative. Okay, there we go. Of the Union for Foreign Affairs and Security and Policy. So, before we go on to that, I do want to go back to um, Australia real quick. Yeah. Their, what their plan is, is that they had an order for 450 infantry riding vehicles. And they're going to cut that down in order to pur purchase the U.S.-made him HIMMARS. Mm. So, um, what else, what else, what else? What else are they doing here? Oh, yeah, they want that. Oh, they're going to use the stuff they're, they're buying to um, push their, I don't want to say push their, but, like, improve their teeth in the AUKUS deal. So they want to be a good part of it, and they want to be an influential part. And they're going to use this, use all of this um, stuff that they're buying to deepen diplomatic and security partnerships in the Indo-Pacific region. So they're purchasing all these, and they believe that they can no longer focus on low-level threats from small regional neighbors, which was their current defense policy. Yeah. They're now looking more outwards, and they're like, okay, we have a problem that is going to be coming soon. There's going to be increased tensions. We're going to have a little bit of a problem. We need to do more than just uh, look small. We need to look bigger. Yeah. So this is actually a pretty huge shift in their defense policy. And it makes me think, what what will China what will China think of this when they have now uh, now that they have another country with missiles that can now essentially target them mm -hmm. and is it going to drive more instability in the region or more stability through deterrence so essentially using yeah. deterrence through peace so I mean I have always been. Um, since I've been studying all this foreign policy, a, a person who believes that deterrence is one of the main reasons countries don't go to war. I mean, at post-World War One, when countries started to tear down their militaries, Germany started to build up. And France, Britain, um, and Spain, who were in a civil war at the time, were all completely outnumbered. Um, Majorly, I mean, a four million man army compared to a couple hundred thousand people with brand new weaponry and tanks. Deterrence is the most important part, and we we see that in France now. France, they they have a large military budget. Um, Germany, who is now on the good sides, um, has a great military budget. And so for Australia, this is a huge part because they're 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 packed with the United States and the United Kingdom. They were definitely lagging behind. They haven't had. They they still have third generation equipment and a lot of land vehicles which are great land vehicles are, land vehicles are great and important for in case of invasion which might unlikely to happen but it's something you you'd like to have so th this this next revamp is great because we have the navy uk has the navy yeah if they have the missiles our navies they're also building their navy too they're looking to purchase nuclear class subs as well that for themselves changes the dynamic of that region because you Countries like Japan and countries like South Korea see this. The ASEAN nations see this, and they go, no, they're doing it. 
we can. And China's going to be like, okay, maybe we take a step back. Because they're out, we all know they're outnumbered. India's not going to come to China's aid if China invades Taiwan and everyone goes against them. India is more friendly. They're getting more friendly with China, but they're more friendly with the United States. Correct. We all know that. And they all, and, and, and India is uh, realistic. Yep. But they even get involved. It's a losing battle. Yep. Um, and so this, this creates a new geostrategic advantage to the West. Having someone more in the South with someone who has the missile capabilities and is looking for a naval increase. Yep. It's important. I agree. I think this is, if Australia goes through with this, which they are, they're already purchasing the cruise missiles, as you said. Um, I think that the ASEAN countries are going to take a look at this and see how China reacts first to this. If China backs off a little bit, maybe they'll go ahead and they'll say, all right, well, Australia did it. China seems to have backed up. Or if China puts it for more drills now, I mean, either way, if it goes either China is less likely to push for more drills because of um, what Australia has done. Either way, it will still be that wake-up call, like you said, for other regional countries to go ahead and buy up more. Because if they're doing more drills, then other countries, uh, other regional countries are going to be like, okay, well, we need protection now. Versus if they stop doing more drills, they'll still be like, well, you know, they're... We're backing off a little bit. So if we could keep that momentum going, we're still going to buy them up. So either way, whichever way you look at it, I think that it'll be, I agree that there'll be a wake-up call for any country to go ahead and maybe build up their own military or look to the United States and the UK and maybe want to get a deal of the, the AUKUS deal, maybe a little piece of the trilateral uh, military agreement. Yes. No, it's, it's extremely important. Um, just to put perspective into it, um, I'm going to remove the United States from Europe and from this the Taiwan Strait, um, which, by the way, the United States are training soldiers on this island outside of Taiwan, preparing for what they believe is the place that if there is a war to start, that this is where China is going to land. I forget the island. I read it in a foreign, a foreign affairs magazine. So if you go to foreign affairs, they have it. Forget the exact island. But take the United States out of the situation. For just a moment, if you look at Russia, let's say Russia wants to take over the world, and they want to take over Europe, they have to go through Germany, they have to go through France, they have to go through the UK, they have to go through Spain, and they have to go through Italy, which are the largest militaries. And even Poland has a very good military, and Ukraine is the country also in the way, but if they hypothetically do that. Now, let's look at China. China has Japan next to them. They have an India, who's not going to get involved. They have South Korea. They have all 10 ASEAN nations and Australia. Fairly large militaries. I mean, South Korea and Japan have very good militaries. And India's not going to get involved, like I said. In both of those scenarios, they are outnumbered, but they are still likely to test their luck because they're very big military powers. But now you put the United States in there. Take you, you look at it that way. Put the United States in there, and all of a sudden, not only are you outnumbered, but you're out guns. It's the same thing. You're out. You're out strategic. Like 
In terms of military power and strategy, the United States is the best in the world. We're the right. only country that's been actively engaged in military conflicts from World War II to today. Only country. Every other country has been, not been active in full-scale military battles. There are special forces. The UK helped a lot in the terrorism, and Germany helped a lot in terrorism. But in terms of actual boots on the ground, Marines, Army, the United States is the only active military in the world that has complete training on that. Yep. And you insert that into an already outnumbered scenario, China and Russia are going to back off. Of course. They have to, or they'll lose. Before, you take the United States out, and they'll test their luck. Yeah. The men, no way. I mean, that's assuming that there's an actual, like, hot engagement. Yeah, assuming, but, con- assuming conflict. But it, no, pre-conflict, too. It's, it's a matter of how far can we go? How much buildup do we need now to push them out? Just make them stop. And it, because, exactly. Because yeah. if, if we're going to need a lot more buildup in order to actually use it as a persuasion tool. Because it won't, it, it will take a while. But we're trying to see who's going to, who's going to be that one to fall, uh, jump the fence or like fall off the fence. Yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's a big balancing game. And we need a massive counterweight. In order to have China to actually stop this thing. Absolutely. And we need to keep building that weight heavy enough until where we have Russia too to back off as well. Because they're going to be like, we are encircled now. Sure, China will see this and like, okay, well now they clearly got missiles. They got AUKUS and nuclear subs here. But we're going to keep going. And that's what I fear is that this might not be enough. Mm-hmm. And how much deterrence are we going to need for them to actually stop it? So, yes, we... I. Build up is good. We're going to need it, especially with the growing threat of China. But I always wonder how much build up do we need for them to actually stop this time? And how much do we need to encircle them? A lot. And in the case of the United States, I think one of the biggest and largest flaws of the the Biden administration was reducing funding for our military. We were at about $900 billion, and now we're at about $780 billion. And Little little military history lesson for everybody out here, um, and, and lesson in, in general about the United States military. We the United States military is not just defense. The United States military actively builds roads in Europe, especially Eastern Europe. They have they built Eastern Europe. Without the U.S. military, it doesn't exist um, post World War II. The United States military's army of engineers they keep our roads running. They keep our electrical systems online. They make sure that uh, any land masses that are being eroded are safe for people. They travel the seas to make sure that the beaches aren't eroding. Um, They build 90% of the technology we see today that comes out of our large corporations like Apple and Facebook. 5G is a military production. The way we educate our students in college is based on military teachings. Basically, everything you do in all life from- all stems from the United States military. And in many of the facets that still occur today are still funded and used by the United States military. And so defunding the United States military doesn't just defund defense. But it defunds our ability to do a lot of the things. To innovate. To innovate. To make sure things stay alive. I mean, the United... I, I see them down on the shores of Connecticut. Army engineer ships making sure that the shoreline 
stays where it is. Because if it doesn't, they have to fix it. It could be detrimental if those seawater gets it's too high. Security. Yeah. And, and also, they, they detect things outside of the water. And so by reducing the budget, it's a bad thing. And in this time when there is large military conflict happening and on the horizon of potentially, the budget should not be being decreased. It should increase significantly to show our allies and our enemies that, first off, we're here to stay. And two, we are not going to back down if there is a conflict. And I know for a fact that China ever sits there and decides to push the green light button and they start heading towards the Taiwan Strait. The immediate thing that will happen when they see U.S. Navy ships is they'll turn around and cower in fear because they know that they do not have the capabilities to match the U.S. military. And even if they do, they don't have enough to supply it. Mm-hmm. That's uh, you said a lot. I'm proud. Yeah, <laughs> it's because it's true. And everyone who wants to defund the military, I am not saying that we should like hundred percent focus on military. There's other things we need to do in this country that need to be fixed. Get it? There are other ways we can defund other things that are unnecessary to go towards those projects and keep military spending at its high because it is incredibly important in this day of age that we can show our allies that we can be there for security reasons. Just like Germany pledged their budget to show that we're going to be here for the security of Europe. Just as Japan said they're going to be there for the security of their people and for Eastern Asia. Now Australia is doing the same thing. I want to go back to the point where you talk about the use of the military for innovation and economic gain, pretty much. And what I found interesting was, and I'm going to read a direct quote from Burrell himself. He said that Taiwan is clearly a part of our geostrategic perimeter to guarantee peace. It is not only for more reason that an action against Taiwan must necessarily be rejected. It is also because it would be in economic terms, in ex- terms extremely serious for us because Taiwan has a strategic role in the production of the most advanced semiconductors. So what, what Burrell is saying is basically what you're saying is that we need to use the military in a way to protect innovation and economics. Mm-hmm. Is, is that, that's basically what you said. Basically, yeah, yeah. in, in so, Europe. Yeah. I, I, when you were talking about that, I was reading that quote, and I was like, wait, this is exactly what, what you're saying here. Yes. And Burrell says, it's, it's not just a matter of having to go fight with China. It is a matter of not only securing peace, but protecting our economy as well. The confrontation with China will be devastating economically. Like we will, we will probably all we'll, we'll face it. We'll all face it. Our pockets will hurt if we do have a confrontation with China. Yeah, that's why Morel is saying we need to make sure that China does not put a blockade on Taiwan because if they do, we will all suffer. And they want to use this, their their military. They want to combine. The, the EU's military um, capabilities and do exactly what, what you said. And, and, and as of right now, China is not afraid of the United States. They should be. But they're not. They're not because they're a little overconfident and cocky and Xi Jinping believes he can get what he wants through diplomatic coerciveness, um, which he has, unfortunately. But militarily, again, like I said, if he sends his ships to Taiwan... He sees the United States ships there. He sees the United Kingdom. He sees Japanese ships, French ships, German ships there. 
He's sends a United message. He's going global to, response. Going message. to back off. And it's exactly what I believe should be happening in Ukraine. I am not saying that we should be putting boots on the ground in Ukraine. What I am saying is we should take German, French, UK, and American fighter jets and just fly them over a war zone. High up, but they can see them and hear them. We, I, I don't, I don't really think we understand the fear that that puts in an enemy by just having a flyover, just as if China sees naval ships in the Taiwan Strait. Because yes, you'll get a response from them saying, "Well, this is a, a threat to our sovereignty." But that is been saying that for so long, ever. But they'll be saying that. Shaking in fear. This is a sovereignty. They will be shaking in fear. We don't need to even shoot at the Russians if we just fly jets over the area, quick in and out. Because those Russian troops on the ground, their morale will drop. Because what do they see? They see their jets flying over and crashing every day. They see the men dying next to them. They see a losing battle. Morale will drop when they see those ships or those uh, jets go over. It's the same in China. I mean, even, even that, right, we could put, going back to the whole Ukraine thing, we could put, like, our ships in, in the Black Sea as well, just have them parked there, because technically speaking, like, that's, I, I'm not entirely sure, but I'm sure that the Black Sea is international waters, so they could just say Either that. Either like, EU waters, and the EU's going to let us in there. Uh, pretty much, and they're going to be like, well, we're here to see what's going on, and just have a massive, just, like, fleet. Literally just in- let them sit. What do they need to do? They don't. Yeah, exactly. They don't have to provoke anything. They could just sit there. Of course, Russia will take it as a provocation, but again, they'll be they shooting in their boots. They want to like, this is our property. This all comes down to the economic integrity of the world. If we don't, if we don't do something, this we're already seeing what conflicts at once can do. If a blockade on Taiwan and the Ukraine conflict has Shaking up the entire world to do like the person itself. Mm-hmm. We're like money is a problem. Inflation is through the roof. The use of military as a way to uh, protect the economic integrity is probably one of the most important ways to do this. And I and we should do. We should listen to Joseph Burrell. We should hear him out on what he has to say because this is only an op-ed. But I do want him to come out with something else, with an implementation plan, what his goals are. What, what does he mean by, by this? Because he's saying that we need to, but I want to see what his future goal, what is he thinking more? If we can have that, plus if we can have AUKUS also preach this as well, then we might have a more of a globalized response as well. But I do yeah. want, I want Burrell to to speak more on this because this is very interesting. Absolutely. He should definitely address the European Parliament. Um, one thing about the European Union that I always, always did not like is that they get a little soft when it comes to military standoffs, which I find ironic considering they have, the Un- well, the, not the United Kingdom anymore, but they're back. The United Kingdom still going to back them. France and Germany. I mean, massive military powers. Oh, yeah. And I think a good some of the good steps in the right direction for countries like like August and then like the EU countries, what they should do is just buy as many semiconductors and, and chips as they can from Taiwan and 
send the Navy patrols as protection, in quotes, to just sit there and do nothing while the ships can move and sell products to Europe and Argus, which can influence, which can fuel economic you know, returns for everybody and show China, we're not going to abandon them. We're not going to abandon them at all. Because Europe does not buy enough from Taiwan because they're afraid. Right. And I think that's what he's trying to say in many cases, that, that we should not be afraid of our enemies. You know, if we look at BRICS, and let's call them enemies. I'm not going to say Brazil is an enemy. I'm not going to say India is an en- enemy, or I'm not going to say... We'll just say competition. South- competition. We'll yeah, say it's a competition. good one. Competition. There's five of them. What are we worried about? <laughs> what are we worried about? Most of Africa is on our side. All of Latin America is on our side, except for Brazil. And... The United States, Canada, and all of Europe. The only fear we have is that they'll expand and be influential. That's that's our only fear. We can easily combat this fear of expansion. Absolutely. With military support, essentially. Protection. You will be protected on an international level scale. You'll have your economics, economy of your country will be fantastic. BRICS yeah. is not ready to match what EU economics? So, because let's be real, EU is a fantastic model. It's the third what can be the third largest economic power in the world. In the, the yep. first one is the United States and Canada combined. If we can prove, what is that? A lot of money. Forty trillion dollars. Forty trillion dollars is much more than what they have, which is like yeah, twenty trillion. Yeah, we. Like that money, and we also need to invest in them. We don't. We can't just say we're going to invest. Oh, we got to show them the fun. Show them what we can do. That would be a big game changer. I think we went a little, little too far, but I do want to bring it back to how North Korea wants to react to Ooh, all this. Yes, that's a good one. Because we're strategically. strategically. Because let's say Australia goes through with this, and the EU goes through with with that as well. Mm-hmm. North Korea is playing a very dangerous game right now. So my question is, what would North Korea think of all of this? Would they seek a more active participation with this? Would they seek more would they play more games or would they be fearful and lay back on their um on their missile program? Because I'm thinking, right if we were to see an EU and Asian country military partnership, there's something already like that, the EU-ASEAN strategic partnership, but that's more for economics and international order. So multilateralism, international order, free trade. If we were to see a new military partnership that can also help with the problem, so it would be tackling like two birds with one stone type mm-hmm. thing, will help Taiwan and will also help South Korea, Japan, and basically the region from the growing North Korean threat. So. Personally, to answer my own question, I think that this would definitely put the pressure on North Korea because uh, Chinese and North Korean relationships aren't the overall best, Mm-mm. but they have similar military kind of goals. Yeah. So that's why they kind of see eye to eye. But China doesn't knows damn well not to be too too friendly with North Korea. They just they they're they're there kind of yeah. So. Imagine if we were to have the EU AUKUS. It's just there. 
how North Korea would just be like, okay, well, there's there's too much going on here. Um, I don't want to fire another missile because, you know, God forbid it lands somewhere it doesn't need to. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got a whole fleet just parked up right outside my shore. Yeah. I, what, do you, what do you think? I don't know how... I think they would just ask for China for more security. I, I think they're too tied up with South Korea at the moment. They yeah. Care about the rest of them. I think they're just going to say, like, protect us to China. Um, but then China's going to be like, well, I got my own problem here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, now, if you really want North Korea to back down, uh, South Korea, and we said this in prior episode, in South Korea and Japan need to put their differences aside for right now and be friendly. Like, I, like they need to either go to one of each other's countries and be like, hey, you know, let's just calm down for a couple of, couple of months. You know, we got a lot of things going on. We don't need to be at each other's throats because we have the same thing. Yeah. And then North Korea might see that as, first off, immediate neighbors and then their other neighbors who aren't very far away. And then the rest of the things that are going on, if they do, you know, the EU puts their tips in the Taiwan Strait and Australia keeps getting its missiles, North Korea will probably say to China, protect us, but we're going to back out right now because holy crap, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great point, yeah. Um, let's see. I don't have much else to say on this. Do you have any final points on this? This is kind of like a really combined episode. Yeah. Well, not combined episode, combined topics. Yeah. Because these kind of go hand in hand. And it's funny how they came out fairly, relatively. Same day, like, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> very close to each other where Australia wants to counter China and the EU top diplomat said, well, we need to counter China as well. We need to park up some boats in the Taiwan Strait. So this was kind of... Yeah, both came out on Sunday. Oh, did they? Yep. Oh, look, would you look at that? That's hilarious. And if that is any showcasing of a potential partnership... I hope so. I mean, that that is like... You to join office? Yeah, I mean, or, or just <laughs> to like create an alliance. I mean, that's that's huge that that came out almost at the same time. Um, I, And I think it also shows that the tensions are growing quicker than anticipated. EU, US, Asian military partnership. I mean, if that doesn't show China that they're not outnumbered, but we're united, you know, then China's as stupid as Russia, you know? (laughs) But I don't think Xi's that stupid, which is exactly why we need to do it. Because then he's smart, yeah. We, we like he's okay. he knows what he's doing, he's putting the pressure because he can't. Mm-hmm. It needs to be just amount of deterrence, amount just the right amount of counterweight where he will back off and say, What are you guys doing? Like, chill out, let's work something out. That's yeah. that's all we need. We don't need any sort of confrontation, we just need the bigger weight. That's all we need. He's poking the bear to see if we're still asleep, and if we're still sleeping, we're still sleeping. Yeah. so if. And then we finally wake up, he'll, you know, run away from the cave. He won't, he won't have to walk in there because it's a tiny man versus a 700 pound grizzly. You know, it's a losing battle. Yeah. So I like that. I like that. So he's got a, he understands economically that we cannot cut each other off. Um, because the first people to follow would be China. And we also need to make that very clear that we cannot cut each other economically. Mm-hmm. There needs to be a clear, message because i think it's just not clear enough just yet not i feel like there's a way where we can have china and the u.s 
to have one goal, which is semiconductors. How we're going to do it, Taiwan will be the, the way to do it. And we need to have Taiwan. Yes. yes so semiconductors are the way, are, is a, one of many steps needed to broker some sort of negotiation here to yeah. back off. Just continued investment in, in tai, Taiwan in general is important because it shows that we're not backing down. Yep. The fact that we have, not the United States, but Europe has slowed what they get in terms of chips and semiconductors from Taiwan is not good because um, they, they, they do still need them desperately. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I've got nothing else. That was a good yeah, one. Same. Good thing tied together. New, you know, I think the world is moving past the Ukraine and Russia because it's pretty stalemate. And I think it's been very. We know U- Ukraine's going to win. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious. It's not going to be immediate, but it's going to be a while. But it is, yeah, a stalemate. And our next focus will definitely be on Asia. Yeah. Yep. I hope so, at least. What it needs to be. It has to be. But More strategically, yes. But thank you for watching uh, this episode, Later Global Developments episode. Um, stay tuned, yeah. Um, if you have any suggestions, I think the reviews are available in Spotify. So if you're watching this on Spotify, I think you could leave a review. Absolutely. If not, reach out to us on our social media. Yeah, Instagram. Yep. DM us, send us a message saying, um, asking what you want to listen to, and we will gladly, gladly review it. Uh, but yeah, thank you for watching. Thank you.